You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Two Cents. This is Gabriel, joined with Steve. Steve Venn. Steve Venn. Steve. Gabriel, we, I always call you Gabriel, but you always call me Steve. I think I call you Dad, Steve, Steven. Yeah, you One do. of those three. Do you wonder why some, some people are very formal, you know, it's Steven. Yes. And some people, like, some people will call you Gabe. Yeah. Do you, like, do you mind that? I like Gabe. Oh, you like I Gabe. like Gabriel. All right, Gabe. I like the dude. Good morning, everybody. You know, whatever, whatever it goes, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to move us on since I took us on, <laughs> you a, uh, sure certainly did. on a thing. Well, good morning. It's a uh, nice sunny day here, a little bit hot this week also, as you're probably aware if you've been out and about. Little hundred degree heat uh, never hurt anybody. Just maybe cause you to sweat a little bit. Just be careful. Watch out! You don't get burned when you get in your car. <laughs> yeah. You know, so the interior of my car gets very hot to the touch. Yeah, right? I, I sat. We went out for lunch yesterday, and Gabe said, "I usually drive," and Gabriel says, "Oh, I'll drive." And I said, "Great." So I sit down in his car, and I feel like I had roasted it's, behind. It's roasted se- behind. It seemed extra hot. It was really like, <laughs> are hot. you kidding me? Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. Well, we've got a good show lined up for you today. Uh, we've got a, a few different topics here. We want to talk about, you know, picking an advisor and red flags, things that you may want to watch out for. Yeah, I think we've probably talked about this before, but we've got some new key talking points on this that might be relevant and well, helpful and timely. Yeah, we always kind of talk about it, Gabriel. I think this is a little bit different because the world changing. And uh, life ain't what it used to be. Yes, yes. I would say that's true. Very different this year. And uh, speaking of that, uh, that was going to be our separate second topic. You spoiled some of my thunder there. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, was that retirement isn't what it used to be. Man. And Psychic. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the reasons why here in just a couple of minutes. So figure we can go ahead and dive in. Then we've got a couple listener questions for you, too. So stay tuned for those, and we'll make sure we get everything covered here on today's show. Yeah, they're good ones. They are good ones. Yeah, got some good ones there. So, all right, let's go ahead and dive in. Red flags when choosing an advisor. Well, you know, there are some good things, obviously, that you could see some good signs, but there are also some things to be on a lookout for when you're interviewing a advisor or if you're already working with an advisor. Okay, so, uh, Dad, you know, Obviously, people have a lot of different choices of who to work with and who to pick. And sometimes people find it hard to change because they're in their comfort zone. Okay, but what are some of the signs that the advisor that you're working with maybe is not doing perhaps uh, what they should be doing or not going above and beyond or not putting your best interest first? You know, all the things that an advisor should typically be doing on a general basis. Yeah, so, uh, so I always suggest, and you know, I gave a seminar last night, and we were talking about this a lot, um, is who is this person that you're talking to that calls him or herself an advisor? Who are they as a person? And you know, are, how do they see the world? Because I think at the end of the day, Gabriel, everybody has the same choice of products, even though some advisors will only use market products and insurance guys will only use insurance products. 
So if I were interviewing an advisor today, I'd be asking myself, how does this person think? You know, what, because that's what's going to separate that person from somebody else. And do I like the way they think and do I like them? And how people think is really quite different in our industry. Some people are very biased towards certain things and against others. Like um, if you go to the big wirehouses, those folks are, you know, if you go to Fidelity or Vanguard or Fisher or, and you say, hey, I got a million bucks, where should I put it? They say, oh, we'll make a nice portfolio for you. Um, so they, they don't do insurance products, but if you go to an insurance guy, he's going to just sell you an annuity, tell you not to go in the market. Mm. So how does this person think? Do they think holistically? Are they, do they work mostly with anybody, you know, young people, old people, middle-aged people? Uh, do they have a focus? Do they have a specialty? Like we have a specialty. We work mostly with folks who are thinking about retirement or in retirement. Uh, that's our specialty. You know, I've been doing that for 30 years and you've been doing it for 18 or 17 years. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, not that we don't have young clients, but everything to us is about retirement. Mm-hmm. So how does this person think, I think is the magic question. And you can't just ask him, you know, <laughs> how do you think, sir? Or ma'am, <laughs> you have to kind of... Uh, I think somebody would say, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, right. You have to see what they offer you and, and how they talk to you. And, you know, ask them, if I have a million dollars, where would you put my money? And see what they say and, and have a good list of questions to ask. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the challenge there is, like you said, right, sometimes, sometimes you can't just come out and ask a question. You've got to figure out the answer to a an unasked question like that uh, via just uh, observation, uh, conversation, uh, materials perhaps, but definitely it's going to come down typically to the types of meetings that you're having with your advisor, I think, and what they're talking about and what they bring up in a review and what uh, items they're mentioning when you express concerns. The content. All of that's going to help you get a better sense of how that person thinks. And I think what's challenging, you mentioned it, uh, I think a little bit there, but uh, people oftentimes have good relationships with their advisor that they like, and they start to realize that maybe I'm not getting everything I need from this person that I really like, okay? And so I would actually call that a red flag, right? If, you're, if you ever have said that to yourself, folks, I really like this person, but I, I, deep down I don't think they're right for me, but gosh, I don't think I can leave them because I've been with them for 20 years uh, that is a red flag because, you know, look, it's really great that you like that person. They've done a good job for you. They've helped you get up to where you are today, but you might have outgrown that person. Well, yeah. Do you remember back in high school? Uh, I remember I had one teacher in high school. I was a senior. Mm-hmm. I love this teacher. I, I mean, it was, she was an English teacher, and I wasn't big on English. I wasn't writing back then, but she had stories, and she was interesting, and and she was great at English, right? And, and then I had to move on and go to college. And that was really hard because I really liked her, but I had outgrown her and needed to move on to a wider and broader education at a higher level. Well, just, yeah, exactly. Someone that specializes in a more advanced version of English or mathematics or whatever the subject might be. And I think that's the way it's, it might be helpful to think about your advisor that way. And typically it presents itself in an advisor that perhaps just focuses on the investments and doesn't do as much outside of that. Uh, for example, so you might just talk to you about your portfolio. You, you ask them, you know, hey, how, I'm, how am I doing? And they say, good, portfolio is doing pretty good. 
<laughs> you know, and that's about the extent of the review. Or, or, yeah, but they'll say, you know? they may say, you know, this uh, tech is uh, tech is not doing well and financials are doing great and I think I'm going to move this here or this there and and uh, you did look good last quarter, better than last year and it's all numbers and all mainly good news even if the market's down well, we're holding our own uh, and that's what the meeting is about. But that person doesn't bring in especially when you retire, the other areas of concern, which is cash flow and income. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really cash flow, not just running a, a, a superficial report that says, yeah, you're going to have enough money. Cash flow doesn't take into consideration taxes, which I don't want to beat this horse because I've always been beating it. Uh, you know, taxes are huge. There's so much wealth building that can be had in taxes and doesn't bring in how money is going to get transferred to your ears. So, uh, uh, you know, most advisors are what I call investment advisors. Uh, they only talk about investments, and that's great while you're in the accumulation stage, but once you retire, there's so many other dynamics that come into this. Well, and I would even say if you're in the accumulation stage, you need tax planning as well. You need, uh, you know, you need possibly some estate and legacy planning, some life insurance. So, you know, there's all sorts of other things you could need even at the younger ages of investing, you know, and I think it's just one of the limitations of being at some of the bigger banks and bigger firms. That's all somebody does is just investments. Uh, so those could be some red flags there. Uh, a few others that could be very relevant and timely right now is, you know, does your advisor put out any meaningful communication about uh, market updates? And uh, and not just, you know, a very boilerplate, um, you know, how the market is doing year to date. Uh, anybody can go online and, and you, there's dozens of companies that sells market commentary, right, where you just put out a bunch of technical jargon. Uh, but I really mean, you know, someone that helps you f- understand deep down what's really causing the market issues, you know, uh, historical data about market, uh, you know, recoveries and declines. But more importantly, how does that fit into your plan that they've built for you? Because the, ultimately, that's what's going to give you better confidence and peace of mind during challenging times. Yeah. To your point, Gabriel, I had a client gave me a big compliment, which I, I'm, I was very happy to get and said, Steve, I love talking to you. You're so clear and about things. My old advisor, all he talked about was I never understood what he was saying. He was talking about alpha and, and sharp <laughs> ratios and, and asset class. Of it. I had no idea what he was talking right. about, but it sounded great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so, yeah, technical jargon is something, you know, maybe uh, to watch out for. Communication style, right? What's the, the flow of your communication? Do you just communicate well? And uh, responsiveness, I think, is a big one, right? If you do call in because you're worried or concerned, do you get a call back the same day? Uh, from the advisor or team member, you know, is it really easy to schedule appointments? And, you know, all these things that, you know, you need from a servicing and a relationship and a ongoing planning perspective, making sure you've got those at the tip of your fingertips. And I'll give you an example. I just had someone the other day, a new uh, potential client of ours, and she was saying she was frustrated because her current guy, she'll call in to get money withdrawn from a portfolio, and he'll say, yeah, you'll have that uh, tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and she's not in her bank account. <laughs> and she's like, this has happened many times where, you know, he tells me he's going to get me money on X date. And then I, I don't, it's not there. I've got to follow back up with him and find out where it's at. And, you know, someone that doesn't follow through on some of the things that they talk about is also a, you know, challenging thing, especially when it comes to your money and getting access to the funds that you need. 
Yeah, so it becomes, I, well, that's why I think people fall in love with their advisor because some advisors, uh, many advisors are really good at that, Gabriel. You know, they communicate well, uh, take people out for lunch or dinner, uh, really nice people, good intentions. And, you know, it's a nice person and you don't want to leave that person even though you've outgrown them. And that's really, that puts people in a pickle. Mm-hmm. Is a pickle, can you, how do you get into a pickle? Well, I think you you slice off the end <laughs> yeah. first, right? where, and then you I wonder you where carve that out you from. you carve out a, a hole in the middle, climb in. Uh, have to be a large pickle, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it gets them in. It gets them into a pickle. It does. Yeah. It or does. or a noodle soup. Well, yeah, and I think there that's a hard one, right? We talked. We mentioned that a few you times. You did. You started it, that. Yeah, way, it's hard right? to leave somebody you like, but again, you just got to look at the totality of of everything. Uh, but the last flag here we wanted to talk about is a, a advisor that is ultra <laughs> certain or adamant that they know the future. Mm. And why is that a red flag, folks? You you know it deep down. You know, we say it all the time. You can't predict the future, right? Nobody knows. In fact, I, I had a, uh, I, I had a, uh, another client came in the other day, potential client, and was saying, yeah, his, his other advisor keeps calling him and uh, two, three times so far this year, and one of the questions he asks is, "What's going? What's going to happen with the market?" And this other advisor keeps saying, "Oh yeah, our our firm it keeps changing our forecast for the year." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, hold on a second. So back, and we we started talking about it. Yeah, back at the year they thought it was going to be an up year, and then the market went down. So then the the firm changed their forecast that it's going to be a level year, and then the market went down more. Now they changed their forecast again; that it's going to be a down year. And it's like, well, yeah, you can keep changing your. What's the if you're going to change a forecast three times in three months, as you see market data, what good it's is like the forecast? It's like you turn on the weather in the morning and <laughs> it says it's going to rain. So you say, okay, I'm going to take my umbrella. Then you turn it on 10 minutes later and it says, no, it's going to be sunny. All right, forget yeah. the umbrella. Oh, no, it's going to be cold. I need a jacket. Nope, you don't need a yeah, jacket. Yeah, you, know, you know. So, so, you know, why is that dangerous? Because if, or a red flag, I should say, or it could be dangerous to your planning. Because if, if you're making all these financial decisions based on, you know, some magical forecast that nobody really knows. I was just reading an article last night about a guy, I forget his name, some some guy that had a big hedge fund that had a really good run back in the 90s. But he's made, you know, year after year wrong predictions for the last 20 years. Got one and, right. He and got now one this right. year he's saying, I think the market's going to go down this year. I told you guys. Right? Right. And he finally is right. One, you know, it's the old phrase of broken watches is right two times a day. That's correct. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you just want to be careful there. And we'll be the first to admit that nobody has a crystal ball, and our crystal ball isn't any better than anyone else's. Right. And well, you've got to build a plan that's going to be successful regardless of that. Yeah, it brings me to another thing, Gabriel, is what do you think of advisors? You know, when a person sits down with an advisor and the advisor is saying, well, this portfolio over time will do 6 or 7%. You know, we've done 8 or 9%. And they're always talking about the upside but never talks about the downside. Well, I guess today's my day of client examples. Yeah. <laughs> Another person came to see me the other day. I think maybe due to the market being down, we're getting a lot of calls from uh, from uh, people with other advisors uh, that are looking for our opinion. But uh, she said, uh, yeah, I'm in a conservative portfolio. <laughs> we went through her statements and I said, well, uh, yeah. Oh, no, she actually went further. She said, my advisor told me I'm in the most conservative portfolio that they have there. And we go and look, and she's in, you know, as a whole, almost 70% stocks, 30% equities. 
and uh, uh, 30% bonds. And you know, some of the stocks in some of her accounts were all individual stocks. Mm. And so I'm saying, well, I, I hate to be the bearer of uh, bad news here, but this is very much not a conservative portfolio. Yeah. And she was really floored by that. And to your point, you know, uh, you're probably talking about, hey, this is going to make 5%, 6%, not letting her know that that portfolio could lose 25 30 35% of the market. In, goes in down. a bad market. Mm-hmm. So, f- folks, if you're talking to your advisor, uh, as you know, when we talk to you, we're always saying, look, on the, uh, in the worst year, this portfolio was down 30% or 28%. Are you okay with that? So you know what the downside looks like. But if you only see the upside and you don't know the downside, it's like, you know, getting in the car and you don't know where the gas stations are. Uh, yes, indeed. I, I just thought of one other one here. I know that we're running a little long on this one. Yeah. It just can't kind of coming to the surface. But if you're a red flag would be if your advisor is your family member. Oh, oops. <laughs> oops. <laughs> uh, so um, I, I was just talking to someone a few weeks back and uh, she really wanted to work with me, but she was really struggling because her current advisor, if you will, uh, was her sister. Okay, and her yeah. and her sister is very strong-willed and telling her, buy this, don't buy this, don't do this, don't sell that stock, you know, do this, don't do this. And and she really, at the end of the day, she, she didn't come on board with us because she couldn't get over this thought that, you know, she was going to have to tell her, tell her sister, no, I want to do this on my own. Well, I understand, you know, you... you That's you, hard. You, you a family your member. sister it's a family member. over Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, you got to look at her. Yeah. You know, you know, that's really tough. That's a really tough one, folks. So the, so. Rule, the rule is, like, I won't manage money for anybody in my family. I know you won't either, Gabriel. It's, it's just a bad... Well, you do for your mom. I do for... Uh, but she doesn't listen to you. Well, I, I will do it with a family member under one condition, which is a very strong upfront agreement that, um, hey, this is, this is... We're not going to talk about this at the family dinner table. Right, you know, like when we have family events, we're talk we're family, right? If you're if we want to talk money, you schedule an appointment, just like any other client, and come in because I don't want to have that, oh, you know, yeah. messing things up. It's like, you know? it's like talking politics yeah, over no dinner. Good, no, good. no, no yeah. good, no good. Uh, so, folks, those are some of the red flags. That if you've uh, caught any of those and you're thinking, yeah, you know, maybe I've got some of those here in my uh, situation. Um, just something for you to think about, okay? And doesn't mean that your advisor is a bad person. It just means you you want to be careful of these things and how they might impact you. Uh, all right. So if you got questions, of course, as uh, as you might or ever will, just give us a call at eight four seven four nine nine three 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 zero or go to sglfinancial.com, click contact us. And uh, I also want to put out there because I always forget to do this. Is we have a few books, you know. Here we've written. Steve's written a book on. Uh, called the Perpetual Retirement Income Machine. Stephen. Stephen R. Lewitt. Stephen. <laughs> my, my goodness, you're hung up on your name today. I don't know. Papa Bear. Papa Bear. <laughs> uh, has written the book, right? If you'd like a copy of that for free, right? If you have not received one, uh, go to our website, sglfinancial.com slash contact us or click the contact us button just right in there. I'd like a free copy of the uh, the Prim or the Perpetual Retirement Income Machine book. And we've also written a book on uh, called One, Two, Three Annuities. If you're interested in the world of annuities and how they fit into your portfolio, I'll get you a free copy of that as well. So I uh, just thought I'd put that out there in case that's something that uh, you haven't yet received. Yeah, we wrote the annuity book because we we meet so many people that are misinformed about annuities. They go mm-hmm. on the internet and they think this, this, and this. So we decided to write a book, Gabriel and I, uh, that really says it the way it is. 
Yes. A little, little more of a technical manual, uh, yeah. really, if you're interested in the nuts and bolts of how they work. Yep. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some listener questions here. I, I want to do those first. We may actually not have enough time to get into the old ways of retirement, hmm. but uh, we'll see. We'll see yep. how things go. Okay. Uh, so we've got to we've got to see a question here. It came in via email from John. And John says, uh, Stephen Gabriel, wanted to let you know I enjoy your podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. And um, have a question for you. Accor- according to Terry Savage, Susie Orman, and my tennis partner, um, should I be buying I-bonds? I've never done anything like this before. What do you think? Well, I think the first thing is what level is your tennis partner at? Is he a good player or a lousy player? If he's a lousy player, don't listen to him. <laughs> I don't is that, how is that for a technical answer? I'm not sure that tennis equates to financial knowledge. Yeah, you might be right. But just yeah. a quick thought there. Yep. Uh, so what do you think? Yes, uh, John, I-bonds. Yep. You know, you're hearing about them all over the place. They're a very uh, the in investment so far this year. Well, why are they the it or in investment? Because uh, they're tied to inflation. Uh, the interest rate that you receive is tied to inflation. Inflation is high right now. So I-bonds are offering a above typical uh, current interest rate of nine point, uh, I don't have it in front nine of me. Nine point something. Yeah, nine point something percent. Which is incredible. Which is great. Yep. Right? And now what's not great about it, you, you mentioned this in your email, John, so I think you're aware of this, but in case other people aren't, you can only invest $10,000 per person per year. That's correct. Okay, so if you have a million dollars and you want to get 9% in I-bonds, you, well, you're going to be waiting a while to invest all that yeah. <laughs> million dollars 20,000 a year for many years would finally get you into all the I bonds. Yeah, and they're 30 year and they're 30 year bonds. You have to wait 5 years and uh, otherwise you get penalized 6 months of interest. And sure. you have to wait a minimum of 1 year period to be able to redeem it. That's correct. Okay, yeah. so if you need it in 3 months and 6 months and 9 months, you not the right investment you vehicle for you. You ain't getting it. But to be honest, it's Definitely not a bad thing to include in your portfolio. Absolutely. If you have ten grand or twenty grand sitting around for you and your wife, uh, go out and buy it. Yeah. Now, where do they get it, Gabriel? Well, you can go to us because we can buy them in your portfolio if you'd like. Uh, you could also go to Treasury Direct. Uh, Treasury Direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won't buy them just standalone uh, for you. It's part of an overall model portfolio. But if you want them just standalone. Yeah, you just go to Treasury Direct and or Google iBonds Treasury Direct, and you'll see the link there. Or email me; I'll send you the link. Yeah, it's pretty. E- it's pretty easy. Set to up an do. account. So, mm-hmm. John. So, John, in answer to your question, absolutely. If you have some cash sitting around, uh, you don't need, and you just want to park it, um, it's pretty attractive investment. Uh, you know, from a lot of points of view, we wish we could buy more. Yep. But it's ten grand each, and that's the limit. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah. So, definitely a quick, quick uh, answer there. Yes, but go ahead. Uh, can't really go wrong if you if you're okay with the time horizon. Uh, let's see. Uh, next question we've got here. Let me pull up my notes. Is uh, let's see. A uh, client from uh, uh, here, Tom, was saying, curious how your money manager, uh, Savant. If you're folks, if you're not aware, we use a a third-party money manager, Savant Wealth, uh, to be our uh, trading team and our investment research committee. Uh, curious how they're doing in this bear market. Is the uh, diversification level that uh, they're using standing up better than most? Mm. Good question. 
Now, uh, Tom and listeners, you know, we can't use performance figures on a podcast like this because compliance won't let us and the disclosures would be 10 minutes long <laughs> to have to read those. But we can talk conceptually about the diversification uh, uh, like level of diversification benefits that we're seeing with our portfolio models compared to uh, what I'd call a, a more standard or lightly diversified portfolio or what people typically have in a target date fund in their 401ks. Uh, or individual stocks, and the, the quick answer is yes, our portfolios are actually holding up very well, and I would like to just put out there that this was what they were built for, was challenging markets like this, and in fact, if you were to rewind a year or two, uh, people would be saying the opposite things, like, man, why is your heavily diversified portfolio lagging the S&P 500 that had, you know, a booming year? Well, because, folks, when you've got a diversified portfolio, let's just reiterate what that is. You you might have with us 20 different ETFs or mutual funds, each one of them representing a different asset class, and every one of those asset classes is going to perform differently in this current bear market environment. In, in every market. In every market environment, but especially in this current bear market. When you have a lightly diversified portfolio, say just the S&P 500 and the Ag Bond Index or maybe a little bit international splashed into there for fun, uh, you, you know, you're hanging your hat on only three index benchmarks or three indexes and in their performance. And so, you know, if each of those three indexes are down, right, the S&P is down 22 percent, NASDAQ's down 30, internationals are down, I think, a little less than 20. You've got, um, you know, bonds down 12 percent. Well, that's going to be your primary driver of your portfolio. And if you look at our portfolios, we've got five or six or seven different asset classes, depending on the exact model, that are down less than 10% and some even up on the year. Some are positive. Yeah, yeah some yeah. are even positive or neutral. And so those different uh, asset classes, the ones that aren't down as far, are helping to buffer the downside drawdown of the parts of our portfolio that are down, right? Like the U.S. Yes. Uh, large cap portfolio component. Yeah, so Gabriel, I just want to make it clear. When you say our portfolios are holding up well, that means we are outperforming our benchmarks. Correct. It doesn't mean we're making money in this well, market. Well, right. You know, it's you know, folks, if you know a little bit about our investment philosophy, we're not we don't believe in active or tactical market trading where you can say, "Hey, I'm going to predict the future. I'm going to get out. I'm going to avoid losses. I'm going to get back in at the right time." History shows that you cannot do that. It does not work. And people that do say say it works are really just getting lucky once in every one once in a while. You can't. It's not a repeatable right. Uh, thing that you can do. You can get it right once or twice and then you lose it the next time around. Because it's mostly luck. That's why it's not repeatable. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, diversification and, and really broad, heavy global diversification with the inclusions of alternatives, which we'll talk about in a second, that's a big part of our allocation model, can really help improve performance and reduce volatility or what's called standard deviation of a portfolio. And that's really what it's all about. When we talk about building a better portfolio, creating a more efficient investment model or asset allocation mix, that's what we're aiming to do. And what we are doing is we're improving results longer term. Uh, we're reducing our risk and we're giving us better performance over a wider range of market conditions. Yeah. So I just want to tag on to that, Gabriel, is that we didn't make this stuff up and Savant didn't make this stuff up. Uh, this is all based on... Nobel Prize winning research, independent research that started back in 1965 and has been updated as going along called Modern Portfolio Theory, uh, which, by the way, we were talking about advisors earlier. 
if I was sitting with an advisor, I'd always ask him, where is the independent research that research that that backs up what you're telling me? You know, where is the independent research? Yeah. So these the the data shows that if you have uh, a well diversified portfolio rather than a lightly diversified portfolio, and you give it time, it will outperform. Uh, any active management or trying to time the market or algorithms or anything like right. that. And there's a lot of hedge funds, really expensive, uh, you know, big names. Uh, what's her name? Kathy Wood, ARK Fund, ARK mm -hmm. Invest Funds. Mm -hmm. You know, big hedge funds, <laughs> lots of them that are down a lot this year because they take outsized risks and outsized bets and heavy, heavy fees. And, and, they're, and they're drawing people in because people want to believe that there's somebody out there that can predict the future and time the markets and prevent them from losing money and make them huge over above market returns. Uh, I think more honestly experienced and sophisticated investors start to realize that that's uh, a lot of, lot of um, lipstick on that. Uh, not so good looking, uh, whatever. Right. So, um, and, and that's something that they realize there's a lot, there's not a lot of meat there. Right. Well, well, I had a question last night, uh, pr and pretty challenging. So, what are you doing about the down market in your portfolios? Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> w w and, and you know, I said, well, we're not doing anything. You know, we make minor adjustments, but so you don't do nothing, and you get a fee for doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, well, how do you answer that question? Well, now? I would go back to one of my favorite analogies to use, which is okay if 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 you know you live in a place in the country that's going to experience an earthquake mm -hmm. at some point. Right, um, you would pay a contractor well in advance to earthquake-proof your house, right? And so, when the earthquake is happening, you're not calling that contractor. What are you doing right now to yeah, avoid where, the where earthquake? Where were you? Where were you last night right? when I needed an what, answer? What, you, <laughs> what did I pay you for? You know, if you're not doing something right, well, you paid me to build your house so that it's going to be the only one standing after the earthquake oh. is coming, right? I'm going to call that woman. So, call. so that's the idea, right? I mean, a lot of times, you know, people are coming to us not just because they're looking for an emotional quick reaction when the market's doing something crazy, but because we've built their portfolio, we built their plan, we built their buckets, we built their tax plan, all these things we've done, you know, for them, and we're continuing to guide them. And in fact, the big thing that we, uh, I'd say, you know, we, we earn our keep with, with our funds and, and the fees that we charge, is making sure you stay on course with your plan and don't do something emotionally um, volatile <laughs> or something that's going to be detrimental for you in the longer run with your plan. And I think that's actually a huge, if you look, there's a lot of, to your point, independent data that says advisors help their clients not do things that would ultimately hurt their portfolio. Yeah, no, well, who, what, I'm sorry, Gabriel, I forgot the name of the person who asked the question. Tom. Tom. So Tom, Gabriel's going to now teach you about alternatives, which is a major reason why our portfolios are doing as well as they're doing. Well, and yeah, I can't spend too much time here because we're, we're running up a, on our minute cap, but uh, certainly can dive deeper. We've got uh, loads of data on alternatives, but a big slice of our portfolio, anywhere from 5 to 10%, is invested in alternatives to stocks and bonds. And people traditionally will build a portfolio that just has stocks and bonds in it. Various asset so, classes. So, for like example. a seventy thirty portfolio mm -hmm. would be seventy percent equities, yes, and thirty percent bonds. Yeah, we're more of a say a seventy twenty ten. Okay, where you're seventy percent equities, twenty percent bonds, various types of of equities and bonds in there. Of course, that's further diversification in those two broad asset classes. 
But the other 10 is going to be alternatives. Mm. And these are things that are have z- what are called zero correlation with the performance of stocks and bonds. So when stocks and bonds go down, uh, a non-correlated asset means it could be level, it could be up. There's no dis- distinct historical correlation between performance of how they react to it, one another. It doesn't mirror the market. Correct. It and could, so, but it could also go up like some of our alternatives mm-hmm. have. And, and so these are things like reinsurance. These are things like managed futures. They could be things like commodities. They could be uh, REITs. In some cases, REITs will, will trend a lot with um, equity markets. Yeah. But they could be, you know... Um, some, some trend following. Trend following. There could be timber, real assets, farmland. You know, there's all these other Momentum. things. Momentum. Now, we don't do this in our portfolio, but uh, some people will be like, can I buy artwork? And that's the whole thing, right? People buy and trade artwork <laughs> inside uh, p- uh, portfolios. There's funds that do that now. But but these are those are some of the more exotic ones. But at the core here, you're looking for alternatives that don't react the same way that stocks and bonds do. And you typically want to have those as a light amount of salt right on the on the meal, right? You don't want to oversalt your meal with too much alternatives because that's going to create, you know, too expensive. It's going to it's not going to give you the long-term performance. They're not designed to beat equities long-term. They're designed to be a buffer component as an alternative to just bonds. As an alternative to bonds because bonds in a rising interest rate environment especially are suffering. Yep. So we've added we added alternatives a few years ago, expecting interest rates to rise and acting as a buffer for a potential down market. Thus, yes, we are not making major changes as the market goes down because we already earthquaked, protected, earthquake proofed, yeah. proofed our portfolio. Well, yeah, if you make major changes right now, what you're saying is you believe in in active trading, meaning you think what are you going to move your t- what are you going to move to? You have to then be able to predict. What's going to do better, which as we just have talked many times about, nobody can predict the future. Yeah. And so, you know, ro- really it's it's about understanding the philosophy and where things fit in and why we do what we do and how that works into the long-term plan. Cool. cool. Well said. All right, folks. Well, uh, great questions. I'm glad you, you included them. Please send more over if you're ever interested in having us answer them on the show here. It's our favorite thing to do. Uh, give us a call if you have any questions, 847-499-3330. Go to sglfinancial.com, click Contact Us, and let us know if, if we can help you schedule an appointment uh, to talk. If you're a client of ours, you'd like to do another review for any reason whatsoever, give us a call. Uh, we are always here for you. In the meantime, have a very wonderful day. Stay cool. Stay cool, and we'll see you on the next show. Stay well, everybody. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com and be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.